you're subject to warning. Tonight's podcast contains material that some people may find objectionable. That's fine. Not every podcast is going to be for everyone. All I would suggest is check out another episode of this podcast and have a great evening. Everyone else, you've been warned. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs that comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Joachim, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, we're stripping it down. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. The cool thing about being a writer is you pick up a huge number of tools, tips, and tricks that you can use to basically tell a story. These, this toolbox, this big collection of those tools, tips, and tricks, basically allows us to do a lot of weirdness. We can basically tell the character's origins. We can tell where the character's going to go. We can cover the story in between. And while we're doing it, we can basically make that character as well not exactly the most pleasant situation to be in, which is exactly the way we want it. Sometimes a lot of those tips, tricks, and techniques involve a lot of stuff that we're not comfortable with. Because of that, we tend to let certain tools get a little bit on the rusty side. And, well, yeah, sometimes we just don't want to use a particular tool because we're not comfortable using it for whatever reason. One of those tools happens to be straight-on nudity. The problem is is that, well, there's two basic problems with it. The first problem is, is that some of us don't like using it because of the sexual connotations, and we try to avoid that. This makes a certain degree of sense, especially when you realize that some of us are writing for, shall we say, an all-family situation where we have to actually worry about little kids and there's certain things we just simply don't want to expose little kids to. That's just part of our social mores. On the flip side, you've got people that, well, use it way too much. That is, they try to use it for the shock value. They you know, because people have a problem with nudity and sexuality. Well, they basically figured, hey, if we basically throw all this stuff out there, we're going to basically get a really huge crowd because people like being shocking. Hey, we're being shocking. And that's bloody adolescent at best. You know, don't get me wrong. There are going to be times when you're going to want to use a little bit of nudity for shock value. But the problem is you have these people using it pretty much over and over and over. And it gets boring after a while, straight up. It's just there's nothing to it. There's only so often you can basically show certain private parts before it basically gets boring. And in all honesty, nudity is one of those things that shouldn't be boring. Commonplace maybe part of the story, something that's sort of invisible, sure, but never boring. It always has to have a point in whatever you're using it for. Of course, that's pretty much true for everything that writer does. The key, pretty much like everything else, is moderation. That is, you have to figure out where that sweet spot is between using it way too little and way too much. And sort of keep in mind, when we start talking nudity, we're not necessarily referring to full-on nudity, where you see pretty much every square inch of the person. Sometimes, just taking a shirt off is good enough to count. We're just looking for a situation where people do expose themselves and do so in a way that basically we can actually use to 
implement character development. But beyond character development, we're also going to be looking at nudity, how it can be actually help you as far as telling what time it is and a few other situations. It's just straight up, there are times when you're going to want a little bit of shirtlessness in order to basically show what time of year it is. And straight up, there's going to be times when you're going to want that little bit of nudity in order to basically show that the characters actually do live in some sort of real universe. That is, I know it sounds sort of weird, but sometimes if you have a universe where nobody takes a shirt off or anything like that, you know, even unbuttons a sleeve, it just feels sort of weird. I mean, it's just like, hey... You know, we basically live in this incredibly perfect universe where it's exactly the same temperature all the time, and we're doing all the same activities all the time, and this just gets a little bit boring, you know? You basically need to break that up, and being able to change drastically from one kind of costume to another definitely helps that out. So what we're basically looking tonight is we're going to have some fun with nudity and definitely go all over the place. So this is going to be a fun ride, and, well, just have some fun with it. Let's start probably the most boring place, which is good old-fashioned reality. That is, nudity can basically be used to show just how real your universe really is. First off, let's get real. Nudity is a major part of who we are. There are going to be times throughout the day where we strip down, and it's perfectly normal. You know, things like situations like locker rooms, showers, baths, that sort of thing. Anytime we're near any kind of really big pool of water and we want to go diving in. You know, we're not exactly going to get in a three-piece tux and go off the high dive. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a situation where that's going to be applicable, but that's usually an initiation. Usually, however, when we do things like swimming or bathing or locker rooms, it's definitely going to involve some sort of partial nudity at least. You know, we're stripping down, we're doing something, and then we're going to put our clothes back on. That's perfectly normal. If we don't have that represented to at least some degree, especially if we're dealing with teenagers, there's going to be something that just feels a little bit wrong. Because let's get real, a lot of teenage social life involves locker rooms. That's where you learn a lot of stuff, for good or for bad, usually bad. And that's where we get a lot of rumors. It's just straight up. You take locker rooms away from teenagers, it, you're basically taking a whole lot of stuff away from them. On top of that, physical exercise is definitely something we see teenagers doing a lot of, especially physical education. So, you know, spending time in the gym and then having to take a shower afterwards is something we're going to have to show if we actually have that particular type of character. But that's something that we're also going to see a lot of when it comes to athletes in general, and not just swimmers and divers, but also track in the field as well as wrestlers. Basically, any sport that involves a lot of activity, especially when they're either lightly armored or pretty much no armored, is going to have some degree of, well, exposed flesh. I don't care if it's something as simple as, say, a tank top, shorts, and a pair of sneakers. Yeah, I know it's weird to consider that as nudity, but stop and think about that for a sec. You're actually exposing a tremendous amount of your flesh. You're basically showing a lot of who you are. And basically, you're doing something you're concentrating on to the exclusion of pretty much everything else, at least in theory. So yeah, when it comes down to it, uh, something like spandex can actually be considered a certain level of nudity. After all, you are pretty much exposing yourself for better or for worse. Not to mention, of course, there are a lot of different sports where people are pretty much semi-nude, not just because of well-tight clothes, but they do tend to take a lot of their shirts off at the time, especially if that would be hot and sweaty at the time. It's just part of human nature, you know? you got something that's covering up your sweat glands and you want to expose them to the air in order to cool yourself down faster.
you're going to take your shirt off at some point. It's just part of who we are. And that's going to pretty much be another thing that needs to be considered here is that there are going to be certain times of the year where you're not necessarily going to be going around in the park. You know what I mean? If it's like summer, even late spring or early fall, you know, when you start dealing with those dog days of summer, yeah, you're going to definitely be taking some clothing off. You're going to go around the absolute minimal you can. So the bottom line is, is that when it comes down to it, you're definitely going to be showing off a little bit of flesh here and there just in terms of just normal life. If you as a writer don't allow for that and you basically simply go on and go assume that you're going to be in the same set of clothes no matter pretty much what circumstance you are, eventually it's going to feel sort of wrong. And again, if you basically cover the body 100% throughout the entire year and you don't show people doing things like swimming or bathing or just simply enjoying themselves on a basketball court, yeah, it's just going to come off as all sorts of weird. So keep that in mind, especially if you're doing something a little bit longer. And if you're doing characters that would be physically active, like superheroes or athletes in general, or even teenagers, then yeah, you're definitely going to be having a certain degree of, well, shirtlessness at the very least. When it comes to character development, it's going to get all sorts of weird, all sorts of quick. Here's the deal. Consider a person in plate mail armor. The cool thing about being in plate mail is basically you're covered within that plates of metal. You've got chain mail underneath that and you've got leather cloth armor underneath that. Basically something hits you, you're probably going to feel it a little bit, but it's not going to do you any real damage. You get hit by swords, you get by arrows, heck, you get hit by a large club. Odds are it's going to annoy you, but you're not going to basically die from it, which is exactly what armor does. It protects you from something. The only problem is that while you're wearing this armor, there are certain limitations on what you can and can't do. Obviously, if you're going to be gearing up for war, hey, excellent. You got your protection, grab a weapon, you're good to go. But if you're trying to do something a little bit more touchy-feely, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, straight up, you're not going to be able to do things like pick locks at the very least or a lot of writing and drawing. I mean, seriously, have you tried trying to type with armor on? Yeah, it ain't happening. This is definitely going to happen when we start looking at more social interaction type stuff. It's just straight up. You can't exactly go to a party in plate mail. You basically can't enjoy the company of somebody else in plate mail unless, of course, you happen to be in the middle of a fight. And a lot of more of the delicate stuff like hugging, kissing, even running your fingers through a person's hair, all of a sudden you're going to have major problems. It just isn't going to be happening. You know what I mean? So when it comes down to it, that plate mail protects you from a lot of physical damage as well as damage in general. But at the same time, hinders you in other areas. In a lot of ways, clothing does pretty much the same thing. We use it as more of a social armor. That is, we basically use it as a cover and screen to define who we are at that particular moment so people, others will react to us in a particular way. I mean, we've all had that experience where we see our teachers from school, all of a sudden we see them in more social situations where they're wearing sort of different clothes than they were at school, and there's that little bit of hesitancy because we don't quite recognize who that person is. Even though they're basically the same person, by changing the clothes, they've changed into an entirely different person from our perspective. And of course, we see that person at church or a party where, again, they're wearing a different set of clothes. Again, we're going to react to that person differently than we would in the more familiar school-type setting. Well, a lot of us do pretty much the same thing. You know, if we see a cop in cop uniform, we're going to read for, act to that person a particular way. But when we see that person running around in cargo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt later, 
we're going to be basically go from ultra serious, ultra formal to just joshing around and giving the guy a hard time. You know, the clothes in this situation actually make the man. And that's something you as a writer need to actually consider completely as much as you possibly can. I mean, think about that. This means that anytime you see a person in clothing, that means they actually do have sort of a societal defense going on. Some people use the clothes that are in as an actual emotional defense. That is, by putting on that particular set of outfit, they become whatever the uniform makes them. So you basically have doctors that have a certain degree of emotional distance from their patients because of the scrubs they're in. Yeah, which is sort of weird. It's like a micron thick and it provides some actual defense from somebody. Cops do pretty much the same thing. Anybody in this situation that requires a certain level of emotional attachment can attain that simply by putting on the right set of clothes. Conversely, if we want to be put in a situation where we're a little bit more emotionally vulnerable, well, we need to take those clothes off. You know, if you really want to have some fun with somebody, you want to show them informal and all that, you're going to wear minimal clothing. Obviously, this goes back to, you know, playing basketball. But at the same time, there's a lot of situations where you have people that are basically family, friends, and that sort of thing. They're so comfortable with each other that they have no problem shedding those layers of clothing. And by shedding those layers of clothing, they also shed a little bit of their inhibitions and who they are trying to pretend to be. The more nude person is, the more, or more accurately, the less clothing a person has, well, the less defense they're putting up and the more vulnerable they are. Because that, they're more willing to be who they are, I mean by who they actually are, not just who they're trying to pretend to be. And this is really sort of cool, especially from our perspective as a writer. If we want to get to a point where we want to deal with just the person's emotional core, that is who that person is, stripped of all pretenses and all artificiality, well, we're going to have to take them out of their clothes. At that point, we're dealing with just the person. This is sort of why you see a lot of scenes that involve a lot of emotional feeling also involve people with minimal clothes. It's just they don't have their shields up and they're, they're particularly undefended from particular situations, you know. They're going to be a little bit more in tune with who they are, but at the same time they're going to have no problem showing off a lot more emotional range than if they're fully clothed. Because of that, nudity serves a definite advantage when it comes to character development. And this is why you see people basically taking off clothes whenever they need to for more dramatic purposes. This also means that the scene is going to be a little bit more truthful than it normally would be because that point, like I point out, the person has no pretenses. They are being who they are and they're going to say exactly what they mean. They're not going to worry about being political or kind or anything like that. They're going to phrase it exactly the way it needs to be phrased relative to that character and it's going to be done in such a way as to demonstrate the truth of that character. This is also sort of why when you start seeing characters like politicians in that, that you don't see them take off a lot of clothes. They're, they need all the wrappings of their office. They need to be defined by who they are, and they need those clothes as, to work as an actual defense against the average person. That is, they need to be able to tell their lies, be corrupt, and hide a lot of stuff. And the best way to do that is by never letting the guard down. The way they show that, they never take so much as a jacket off. And this applies, I guess, to a certain degree in real life as well, because notice that the people you tend to trust the least also tend to wear the most clothes. Just something to consider. But this also means that if you're trying to have a character who's truthful, who's honest in that, 
they're also going to be wearing the minimal clothes. I mean, consider who you're going to consider most trustworthy. Somebody's running around in a three-piece suit, or somebody's running around in nothing but a Hawaiian shirt and cargo pants. You see? So that's something you need to sort of consider when you start having a lot of fun with the characters. Is that if you want to have a character that's more truthful, more honest, and less artificial, they're going to be wearing fewer clothes than the person is going to show a lot more of who they are. That is going to have a lot more skin showing than somebody who's running around in a three-piece suit. Not trying to basically say three-piece suit wearing people are bad, but for our purposes, it just doesn't work out so well. So... Just something to consider when we start having a little bit of fun. It's just straight up when you're trying to do character development. Obviously, what kind of clothes, how much clothes they're wearing is obviously going to be a major detail when you think about it. The other sort of cool thing that nudity gives us, it gives us a little bit more intimate situation. I mean, think about this for a sec. If we've got two characters that are falling in love with each other, then yeah, they're going to basically be showing scenes where these people are going to basically be half naked or worse and it just doesn't mean people that are in love or in lust i mean if we're setting up a sex scene cool but and we'll get to that momentarily it also shows us couples that have been around a long time together and are so familiar with each other that they basically don't really care anymore that is we've got a situation the standard situation where somebody goes into a bathroom where their wife is bathing you know taking a shower and they decide to take a bathroom and they do so, and they don't really care. It's just part of what happens, you know? It's a weird situation, but I think you've reached a new level of romance when you can look at the other person, and they're not, you're not really turned on by them automatically. So, But we're also looking at the same situation with, say, a mother and child, where we've got the two of them bathing together, and it's perfectly natural, and it's a loving situation, and it demonstrates the love the two have for each other. And it's just a situation where, again, it's a non-sexual nudity situation. The same we have when we got people training together, you know, or when we have people learning how to fight or anything like that. They tend to trust each other and all that when they're basically just at the bare essentials. So when it comes down to it, not only can it basically be able to show people who are being real, who are being real emotional, who are definitely being trustworthy, but it also allows us a lot of intimate situations. All of this is incredibly great when it comes to developing characters. Nudity can also be used to show, well, the beginning of things. This is one of the reasons you see a lot of movies start off with characters just coming out of bed, especially if they happen to be wearing pretty much nothing but underwear, or we happen to see them in the shower first off. The key here is that, to a certain degree, nudity represents a certain level of birth and rebirth. By being naked, well, obviously there's only two times most people are naked in their life, and that's when they're born, well, when they're dead, and they're being cleaned up to be buried. But most prominently, we're looking at when people are basically, well, being born. You know, when you're born, you come out of your mother's body, you're definitely going to be naked. And we see that when it comes down to, well, a lot of initiatory experiences, the person is going to be in an absolute minimal state of dress. Usually naked, sometimes as much as a pair of underwear or shorts. But the bottom line is that these people are walking around in as absolute little as possible. And that's exactly where we need them. In essence, we're looking at a situation where the person has decided to basically reformat themselves. Basically, they're creating themselves anew, and they're basically, this nudity is actually being a representative of that fact. At that point, they're basically in a situation where they're realizing they need to make some changes, and before they make changes, before they basically figure out ways to make themselves different and to force themselves anew, they're one way or another going to be nudity. And 
think about this for a sec. You go into a Weight Watchers situation where you're basically trying to lose weight. Well, the first thing you want to do is get an accurate as possible weight. The easiest way to do that is take off all your clothes. If you're going into the doctor's office in order to figure out what's wrong with you so that way you can actually fix it, well, you don't have to strip down because a lot of modern doctors don't need that. But us as writers, we're stuck in that. This is going to represent something that's going to change that person's life. When that person goes in there, they're going to walk in one person and they're going to walk out a new person because that certain level of nudity is definitely going to be is definitely going to feel good in that particular situation. And the same applies to a lot of different initiatory experiences. This is sort of why when you start seeing some of the older baptisms, you start seeing people when they're basically nothing more than a sheet or a rope. This way they can actually take that sheet off and they're a new person from the experience. When we start looking at things like pleasing rituals and punishment, well, we're definitely going to be getting into a certain degree of nudity at the beginning. If we're dealing with a coming-of-age situation, and we're basically dealing the standard cliché of the person's losing their virginity, well, that deflowering situation is definitely going to require a certain level of stripping down. So when it comes down to it, when you start basically trying to figure out ways where people are doing a rebirth situation, yeah, they're going to be naked. And it's going to be all sorts of interesting. Well, let's go back about half a step especially to the initiation and punishment situations. When we start looking at what happens to certain coming-of-age situations, like, for example, of college hazing, or, or even when we come down to a military going into basics, that sort of thing, you're talking about a situation where you're basically putting yourself back in somebody's trust, at least for a little while. That is, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're, like I said, you're basically starting fresh in a lot of ways. You're creating yourself all sorts of new, and you're adding a lot of different skills and all this. The problem is that just like a child who also goes through that same phase, you're actually going to have to depend on the security of others. That is, you're going to have to depend on other people teaching you these things. You're going to have people who will protect you a little bit. And ultimately, you're trying to develop some sort of level of trust with other people that you're around. Because of this, it's sort of appropriate that you would start off the situation either stripped down either fully or partially. Obviously, with college hazing rituals, you're usually stripped down all the way. If we're talking military, you're stripped down to your underwear for the physical exam. And you're basically going to have to be naked in front of all those guys at some point in time just because of the way, just because you have to keep healthy. And showering is obviously the best way to keep healthy in that particular situation. So when it comes down to it, that nudity is basically a great way to show that you are basically, well, basically rebuilding yourself. You know, you're basically taking yourself down to the raw, figuring out what worked, what didn't work, and basically throwing on a whole new experiences and all new skills and backgrounds. You know, you are basically building that character up from the beginning. Again, from a, from a writer's perspective, this is awesome. This is a really great way to basically show that we're taking a caterpillar, we're turning that caterpillar into a butterfly. And we're going through a transitory phase right there where they basically go back to something that's reminiscent of childbirth. So it's sort of cool when we're actually having a little bit of fun with it. To a certain degree, the same holds true with punishment. The only problem is that whereas with initiatory experience, we're basically looking at that character from that character's point of view. You know, you're going through the situation, you're changing yourself, and you're doing this on purpose to basically make yourself into something different. With punishment, we're looking at the uh, a sort of weird flipped version. That is, at this point in time, you're being exposed to other people because they want to basically point out that we know who you are, we know what you've done, and we're basically putting you in a situation where we need to change that part of you. I mean, think about this for a sec. Part of almost every prison movie is a particular situation where the people are forced to strip down. As part of punishment, other people 
are basically looking at that person while that person is naked and judging that person while they're doing that. There's a reason that particular scene, every prison movie is also probably the most embarrassing and the most humiliating. Sure, we still have nudity during, you know, the college hazing movies, but at the same time, it sort of works there. We understand that that's just a transitory phase. By submitting to that person, that person, is that student, is becoming a lot stronger person. They're learning a lot more skills, they're becoming a lot more trusted and trustworthy of other people in that area, and they're basically, when it comes down to it, they're becoming part of another organization. Not only are they rebuilding themselves, but they're also rebuilding themselves to become a much better person. However, in prison situation, the entire reason they're in that position in the first place is because they've committed some sort of crime against society, at least in theory. Yeah, there's some situations where people are friends and all that, but we're going with the general case here. Basically, we're looking at situations where the prisoner is being told that straight up, we know what you've done, and there's no more hiding from us. You're naked in front of us, and there's absolutely nothing you can hide. We're going to search you. We're going to make sure you're clean, and then we're going to put you in with some other people that have also done the same thing. Your choice is you can either, you're one way or another, you're going to learn from this experience. How you learn from this experience is up to you. And again, from a writer's perspective, this is awesome. This means that we basically have a chance to look at this character and either make this person a lot more, well, a lot nastier, a lot more corrupt, a lot more evil, or we can put this person in a situation where they rehabilitate themselves and learn from their mistakes and learn from the mistakes of others and actually become a better, stronger person. It's an initiatory experience of its own, and it's also necessary if we're trying to have a lot of fun with it. I mean, straight up, it's basically, you've hit rock bottom, there's not really that much further you can go, so you have a choice, you can either get worse, you can find a way to actually go lower, or you can elevate yourself. At this point, it's up to the character, and well, obviously, the writers can basically be forcing the situation. So it's just something to have a lot of fun with because, again, if we're going back to the dreaded hero's journey, and we're going to be seeing that a lot when we start, it's one of our biggest tools. Let's get real. You see a lot of areas where there is initiatory experience. Sometimes it's right at the beginning where we meet the character. Sometimes it's when the character is sent to, well, the underworld. And of course, when the character is finally leaving the underworld, is another chance for another initiatory experience. Yeah, I get it. It's sort of funny that we're having initiation right there at the end of the story. But it's nonetheless part of what the character has to go through. And the same applies to even if we start looking at the character's death, because let's get real, that's an initiatory experience of itself. It's just, well, if we're defining initiation as when you basically the actual transitory step between one stage and another, then obviously getting ready for a battle is going to be another form of initiation. At that point, you basically said, screw it, I'm going to give my life. If I happen to lose it, great. If I don't, hey, that's great too. But one way or another, I need to go into that battle and I need to kick some butt. This is, again, why you tend to see a lot of lawyers take off their clothes, put on something else, you know, I don't care if it's a standard camouflage outfit. I don't care if it's body armor. I don't care if it's a power suit. You nonetheless usually tend to see them come out of the street clothes, take those off, and put on something else. And somewhere along those lines, they're going to expose who they really are. And that's great. Again, initiation experience for the sake of us as a writer always helps us show a lot about how that character is going to basically develop themselves. 
So it's important for us to recognize where those points are and actually figure out ways to exploit them. Sex, of course, is its own initiatory experience. That is, losing your virginity definitely is that transitory stage between, well, childhood and adulthood. At that point, you basically have joined the ranks of the procreating adults. You know, you're taking a lot more responsibilities than you did as a child, and you're actually starting to worry about the possibility of you bringing life into the world. That is, taking on responsibility for another life form. Yeah, a lot of people prefer not to. We definitely have some characters who are confirmed bachelors, as well as confirmed bachelorette, and we prefer having to do absolutely nothing with raising a kid whatsoever. Nonetheless, at some point in time, these people are going to have to basically take that step from childhood into adulthood. And one of the ways they basically take that step is the basically losing their virginity, and there's a lot of situations where you as a writer can actually use sex to basically develop characters. Of course, as writers, above and beyond the, well, initiation experience, we can basically use sex in three other ways. First off, we're going to basically be using it for consummation of relationship. Again, you've got the nudity, so you've got the intimacy. You basically have the sex, which is pretty much two characters that will, one way or another, will be joining into one person for at least momentarily long enough to, in theory, create a third. This doesn't matter even if you've got two characters that are physically incapable of having sex. For example, a water character and a steam and a fire character. It's still, you basically have a situation where you're going to have a certain level of intimacy where you're going to have the two of them actually trying to figure out ways to, well, consummate the relationship. And outside of creating a lot of steam, you're basically looking for a situation where the two of them are going to have some sort of physical contact, even if it's, well, obviously in this situation, not that physical. But for those that do have it, it's basically a situation where you've got raw emotion, you've got intimacy, you've got one person coming down to another and more or less joining in on one level or another, even if it's solely spiritual. Yeah, you don't have to have a physical consummation. Yeah, be nice. Is, but sometimes you're going to have situations like you pointed out, it just isn't going to work that well. As long as you can have at least that spiritual consummation, you're good to go. You know, there's our ways to draw it. This is where you come in, the artist, you can have a long conversation about how to represent it. And the emphasis here is represent it. You don't actually have to have a physical, literal drawing of the two having a consummation. You can have a little bit of fun and go into a strictly representational mode. That's fine. As long as you have some way of actually consummating that particular relationship. The other way, of course, are two people who just simply say, screw it, I want to get laid, you want to get laid, let's get laid together, and they go fall at it. That's fine. It just simply shows those two characters are a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit less worried about the romantic notions, and they're basically just going to be who they are. Again, you've got the nudity for this initiation or for the intimacy issues. You basically are basically having a situation where they're basically just showing that they're pretty much beings of raw lust, and that's perfectly fine. You know, you don't have to have every sexual act is basically two people who have decided, hey, we're going to have this really great lifelong relationship together, and if we happen to have kids, great. If we don't, so be it. As long as we're together, yeah. Sometimes. You just want to have a sex scene and make it work. You don't have to have everybody be a romantic. Sometimes you just want people who want to sow some wild oats and get it out of their system. That should be perfectly fine as well. Obviously, there are going to be some places where it doesn't work that well. But trust me, when it works, it works. And sometimes it's just sort of all sorts of fun to see. Obviously, with the first type of situation, that relationship is definitely going to have a huge positive change. If people are just hooking up to be hooking up, 
that doesn't necessarily have to follow. It can just simply be a, well, business arrangement. You know, you do have people in the real world that just simply hook up every so often just for the sake of hooking up. That's fine. That shouldn't be seen as anything incredibly horrible. I mean, it can be, especially if you're trying to basically have some, you know, nitty-gritty urban environment where you're basically trying to show that people are just simply doing what they can to survive and that some people tend to survive in horrible ways. That's fine. You can actually have it as an actual business arrangement. And we're talking prostitution, just to be absolutely clear here. So that's something you can definitely use that particular type of sex for. But again, to a certain degree, you're showing people at their truest. You know, when it comes down to it, what are you willing to do in order to basically make money to make sure you can survive? And that's an important question, especially in certain types of comics. So definitely don't hold off on it. Of course, don't get crazy with it either, you know. You don't have to go a full BDSM type situation if you don't really want to. You can actually get away with a real basic, you know, show people stripping down, cut to another scene or a big gray panel, and you show the characters either laying together naked in the bed or you happen to show one of them putting their clothes back on. All of this actually does tend to work really well. You don't have to actually show the actual sexual act itself. Unfortunately, if we looked at it basically as huge positive and as huge neutral, that means that there has to be a huge negative in there. So yeah, there is going to be one third situation that you need to consider and you definitely need to consider how you're going to pull it off every so often. Not everybody's going to do it. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to hedge a little bit. Here's the deal. Occasionally, you're going to basically want to show a rape scene, which unfortunately is part of this whole intimacy and is part of this whole showing who the true people are. The difference is that in this case, you happen to be showing somebody to be truly evil, truly vile. Straight up, it's just you're basically hitting a situation where the other person is being forced to submit to whatever the other person wants, and you're showing them the ultimate symbolic way of doing so. Obviously, to a certain degree, just like the consummation, there are symbolic ways of doing this, but unfortunately, this is one of those situations where, again, it falls under all the tropes we've been discussing. Again, you've got a situation where a person is being forced to submit whether they want to or not. And unfortunately, you've got another person forcing the situation for their own purposes of control to show that they can do exactly whatever they want and there's nothing that the other person can basically do about it. And there's nothing else. This is a situation where they're going to remember that other person pretty much forever. Even if they develop amnesia, eventually that amnesia will get solved, especially if you're doing it right. The only thing I can recommend here is that if you are going to do it, make sure that you have the rapist suffer some sort of heinous punishment later on. It doesn't have to be the obvious, and by obvious I mean castration, but it can pretty much be something really nasty that happens to them either politically, socially, or physically, preferably a little bit of all both. And keep in mind, by the way, that you don't have to have a male attacker and a female defender. You can, unfortunately, mix it up a little bit. Even a woman as the attacker. At that point, she's basically showing that 100%. She's in control. There's nothing the guy can do about it, and he's going to have to deal with it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would work, but it's just, unfortunately, one of those things that does happen. So keep in mind that when you start doing sex, it doesn't have to necessarily be the way you imagined it would be. It can get a little bit weird and unfortunately sort of sad. So, but let's have a little bit of fun. Let's go from that really dark stuff and point out that there are some situations where you can have a sexual situation without actually having sex. That is, you can have somebody in a fun situation showing off what they've got and uh, having some actual fun with it. 
At this point, we start hitting solid burlesque territory. I mean, I hate bringing in the Marvel swimsuit episodes into this, but hey, we're going to bring in the Marvel swimsuit issues and we're going to have fun with it. Yes, we have Frank Castle and nothing but a skull. I mean, literally, it just covers one part of his body. We won't talk about Captain America's shield or the various bikinis they used. The key here is that you're having a little bit of fun with the characters. I mean, let's get real. you got a teenager. He spent years developing his body. All of a sudden, he's ready to have sex. He needs to show the world that not only is he ready, but he's definitely ready, if you know what I mean. And the easiest way to do this is by showing off what he's got. And to a certain degree, this is going to apply to male and female. We're talking guys in shorts, girls in bikinis, all on the same beach. Seriously, did you think they were just there to get sun? They can get sun anywhere. It's all over the planet. On the other hand, being put in a situation where you can show off what you got, look at what other people have got, compare notes, figure out if you're compatible. Hey, the beach is per party perfect. You know what I mean? So you've got people that are basically going to be showing off what they've got and having a little bit of fun with it. Again, it goes back to the whole truth and packaging issue. At this point, you're trying to show off who you are and where there obviously going to be a certain degree of, uh, shall we say, artificiality, especially when we're not talking surgical enhancements necessarily. We're talking you're going to basically be acting in a particular way that you probably normally wouldn't. But again, not everybody has just one aspect to the character. Sometimes you have situations where you have hard working. You've got a situation where you have a little bit more fun. And you have situations where you do have a sexual side to your personality. That's fine. Each one of these is equally truthful in its own way. And now all of a sudden you've got a way to actually demonstrate the more sexual side of your personality. This is sort of why you see car washes in a lot of sexual comedies. It just works. It's a great way to show off what they've got, throw in a little bit of water, and yeah, can be exploitative to a certain degree. The key here is that you as a writer need to figure out where the edge of exploitation is and go right to it as much as close as you possibly can and have a lot of fun with it. You need to get over the concept that just because you've got a girl in a bikini, it's going to be straight on exploiting the girl. Sometimes it's going to be straight fun. It's going to have a little bit of fun to it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you can have situations where you are exploiting that particular character for a perk. For example, again, you know, if you have a person who's modeling and they're trying to basically get through school, definitely it's going to be that. Some people will do girly pictures and they'll basically force women into girly pictures as a way to exploit them. That's fine. If that works for your particular comic, go for it. But at the same time, sort of realize here that you can have some fun with it. Sometimes you want to do a little beefcake or cheesecake and it can definitely get fun. Especially if you do it right. Try to figure out how to do it right and don't worry too much about what other people will think. This goes back to one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like using nudity as far as their comics go, it just feels somewhat exploitative and it feels sort of wrong. But you've got to figure out where it can be used in your comic and where you can effectively use it. The bottom line is that ultimately it's your comic. You need to figure out what you want to do with it and how to have the most possible fun with it. Sometimes you're going to have a lot of weird stuff in your comic just to show off what your characters can do and the personalities of those characters. Sometimes it's going to be deep and dark. Sometimes it's going to be light and fluffy. Sometimes you can have a light situation that actually has a certain deeper meaning to it. And you need to figure out where those times are and have fun with it. But ultimately, a lot of people, when it comes down to nudity, make the biggest mistake that they, basically there is, it's 100% sex. 
I hope I've shown you tonight that it's a lot more than that. You can have situations where you show characters that the most truthful, where you show characters that the most intimate, where the characters' defenses basically are just all the way down, and you're actually seeing the true character. Sometimes it can be used to initiate a character into an entirely different experience, and we're not just talking young characters. Take a 50-year-old who's all of a sudden trying to figure out a way to basically leave something for his heirs. You know, that person is going to have some sort of change in their personality. Send them through an initiation, works. The same applies to a 90-year-old. You know, all of a sudden they realize that they had this really boring life, and all of a sudden they can actually do a lot of really cool things. And it's taken that long to realize it. They can either basically just ignore that something really cool is happening, or actually go for it. They don't have to be a superhero. They can just simply be somebody who's realizing they can all of a sudden teach something really well. You know, there's a lot of different initiatory experiences when it comes to being a human, and we're not just going to have one way back when we're like 16, 18, 21. Sure, that first beer is incredible, but it's not the only initiation in adulthood you'll see. There's going to be a lot of them for everybody, and it's not necessarily just into adulthood, but into some sort of, hopefully, higher state of being. Ultimately, don't worry about what other people are saying. Use the tools that you think will be most applicable to the situation and figure out ways to use them to the best effect. I mean, I know it's going to be a weird way of looking at it, but think about it this way. When we have somebody who's a swordsman, we want that person to be as precise as absolutely possible. We don't want them to just simply cut into somebody, but we want them to cut into a very specific area and have a very specific effect. Yes, if we can have it basically be death, that's great, and that's the general rule, but there are some situations where you just want to hobble a person, where you just want to make a point, where you just simply want to point out to that person that they're not all that. You want a certain level of precision. And here's the fun part. According to Mayumaru Masashi, the greatest swordsman ever himself, has pointed out that the eight normal sword strokes that most swordsmen use are all based off calligraphy strokes. I'm sort of saying that basically you have to have the same precision with your pin that a swordsman does with a sword. And just keep that in mind every time you sit down to the typewriter. You need to be is precise and use the best tool applicable to the particular situation. And sometimes it's going to be that one tool that you may not feel comfortable with, that you may not want to use, that you know other people are going to hate when you use it. So be it. Screw them. You need to do what works for you. So with that, for those interested in supporting this podcast, please check us out over at patreon.com slash two sparrows. We have many casts, a few extra tips and tricks here and there. An edited version of interviews that include all the swearing as well as a little bit longer, as well as an actual episode of this podcast that has yet to be aired anywhere else. Also check us out over at YouTube where we have curated playlists where all the various podcasts have been broken down into various different types of sections, such as world building, business, marketing, writing, etc., as well as additional mini-casts, as well as the Alexa briefs. And definitely check us out over on Facebook. This allows you not only to comment on the various videos, but also catch up on a few other things as well. Have a great night, and I'll talk to you later.